Hey, there was a group of uh, people who lived beyond 70 years who were interviewed, and they were asked if they had to live life over again, would they live it differently? And here are the things that they said, the top three things that they said they would do differently with their lives. Number one, they would spend more time with the people that they loved and cared about. Two, they would take more risks. And three, they would reflect more. Now, the first two, everybody seemed to understand. But the third one, reflect more. What, what was up with that? So they asked the people being interviewed, what, did you, what do you mean by that? Well, they said, well, if I would have taken more time to reflect on my life when I was younger, I believe that I would have assessed and made different choices that would have altered the course of my life. Today, we're looking into the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, finishing our series on uh, getting, gaining an eternal perspective. And in this last chapter, we're looking uh, at a, a, a book that was inspired by the Holy Spirit through the perspective of a very wise man at the end and near the end of his life. We should listen. This is a man who has reflected. Ecclesiastes has a lot to tell us. I, I want to start in Ecclesiastes 12. Uh, today, I, I didn't do uh, my homework and get the verses up on the screen for you. So you are, if you do got a Bible, uh, you can open it up to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, or if you got it on your phone, again, it's in the middle. Go look for Psalms. Uh, your Bible falls open to it, usually in the middle. Go to the right, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And uh, look in the last chapter, chapter 12, and it starts like this. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you say, I find no pleasure in them. Now, why is there a command saying, remember your creator in the days of your youth? I believe from reading the rest of this passage, the command to remember our creator while we're still young is to help us gain an eternal perspective on life so that we will live fully, choosing the eternal kingdom first. Remember last week, we talked a little bit about priority. Remember the beans and the kiwi in the jar? Yeah, didn't have the walnuts, yeah, all right. All right, look at verse three here. Uh, Solomon goes on, begins explaining. He says, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, keepers of the house, he, he's talking about the house of our body. What are the keepers of your house? Well, what do you put your clothes on with? Your hands, how do you do your hair? It's with your hands. When the keepers of the house begin to tremble, what happens when we grow old? Sometimes we have those trembling hands. Our backs begin to stoop. And at the end of verse 3, it says, When the grinders cease because they are too few, and those looking through windows grow dim. You have some teeth now. They grind up your food, but one day you may lose some of those teeth. In fact, you might lose a lot of them. And then there's going to be no more grinding of food. It's going to be pudding and pureed food for you, buddy. So... Right now, the windows of your house, your little peepers, your eyes are bright. Your eyes see clearly, but one day they're probably going to go dim and you might have to have cataract surgery or you might have to get some bifocals. It just happens. We grow old. Our bodies waste away. Look at verse 4. The doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. Look, even though your hearing will fade, there's, there's this little thing that happens when you get older. <coughs> you still don't sleep as much. And so even though your hearing fades and the little birds are chirping that would usually wake you up, you're still going to wake up with the birds. 
even though you can't hear them anymore. In verse 5, you're going to lose your coordination and your balance. When the almond tree blossoms at the end of winter in the Middle East, it produces these white blossoms. Well, your hair might just turn white during the winter of your life. And the grasshopper drags himself along and desire is no longer stirred. Well, that's speaking of a man's sexual organ, and I'll let you put the rest together. Yes, the Bible talks about our sexuality. It does everywhere, all the time. The whole Bible tells about the whole God who cares for the whole human. But what is this passage talking about in its entirety? What is it telling us about? We all grow old. Our bodies are going to waste away. These bodies are temporary. We deny it. We try to change it. We eat organic food like it's going to keep us from dying. But the truth is, at some point in time, there's 100% of us are going to die. And we're going to go to an eternal home after that. And what does the Scripture tell us to do before this happens? Remember Him. Remember God. Before the silver cord is severed, before you die, remember your Creator. Remember Him before you return to the ground and your spirit returns to God. Why? Because we need to make peace with God. That peace is made through Jesus Christ, whose blood came as a substitute for us so that when He can wash away our hearts clean so that when we stand before God, He sees us like He sees His Son. And he, we can be welcomed into the eternal home with God. Now, all right, some of us now are, are getting a little melancholy and emo, so we need to immediately get a post-Jesus view on this passage in Ecclesiastes. So what I'd like you to do, if you could, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. And you can just leave your finger right there at that spot because we're going to hang out there for a little while. And here is where we find hope for every person who faces growing old with Christ as in their lives as their Savior. But more than bravely just facing growing old, I hope that we can get an eternal perspective on life. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. From here on out, there are just two words I hope that you will remember beyond this day. And if I can pull it off today, my hope is that in 12 to 15 years from now, you would remember what was talked about on this day, October 28, 2012. Because these two words, if they get in your mind in such a way that you never forget, it will do you a world of good. It has certainly done me a world of good, and it can make a difference in the way you live. It certainly made a difference in the way that I live. And here are the two words, and the words are, think eternity. When these, first, these two words were first communi communicated to me, it was from a, a man that I really respected and, and uh, loved, and when he, he told the story like this, he went to a, a Knoxville, went to a UT game, and he doesn't remember the outcome of the football game, what the score was, but he went to a diner afterwards with some friends. He doesn't remember who the friends he went with were, 
<coughs> excuse me, he doesn't remember the name of the diner that he went to, and he doesn't remember what he got to eat at that diner. But what he does remember is when he was got up from that table and was leaving the diner and heading towards the door, right there by the handle, in a red rectangular block sticker, red, bright red, in it was white letters and block print saying, Think Eternity. Think Eternity. You know, about 20 years ago, in an issue of a Billy Graham magazine, there was an article about a little old man who lived in Chicago in the back streets. He was a hopeless drunk. But somewhere later in his life, someone shared Christ with him, and his life was turned around, and his rest of his life was lived out as a Christ follower. The article was talking about people who were honoring this man after his death. The reason why was that he tried to find a way to help others. He had limited skills. He didn't have a job. But there was one thing that he simply did. He would get a couple of pieces of chalk, and he would write a certain word everywhere he went. He would write it on the trash can dumpsters. He would write it uh, on, on the garage door. He would write it on the brick wall. And in the article, there was a picture of a brick wall filled with graffiti. And in the middle of that graffiti, this man wrote his word. What people were saying is that what the, the word that he wrote, he wrote it so many times in so many places that it truly became a constant reminder to them of something that they needed to be reminded of. And some people said that their lives were changed because they saw that word written so many times. What was the word that that little man wrote so many times in so many places in Chicago? I hope you want to know by now. It was the word eternity with a great big E and a big flourishing Y at the end. Think eternity. Think eternity. Eternity is a big word. There is an enormous concept behind that word. I remember as a child trying to conceive about something that goes on forever and ever and ever and never ends. Or something that never had a beginning. Just ages and millenniums and eons and eons of time. Eternity is a word that almost staggers the human imagination. Someone once said it's such a big word that you shouldn't say it in a little way. Instead of saying eternity, you ought to say eternity. Say it in a big way. So I think we might need to practice that. I didn't hear you doing that with Sue this morning. So I'll say the word think, and you say eternity in a big way. All right? Think eternity. We'll try it one more time, and you can even make the e trail off in the distance like you're falling off a cliff. All right? Think eternity. Oh, that was good. That was good. Now that's the kind of idea behind that word eternity. If you get that word in your mind, it will stretch your mind. It will broaden your mind. It will deepen your mind. And it will make a difference in your life. When we read that scripture, you'll notice the Apostle Paul was going through a rough time. He says, for example, in his words, in verse 8, that he was hard-pressed. He was perplexed. He was persecuted. He was struck down. That's not the best description, is it? I mean, if you had a friend describing their life that way, 
you would have a lot of empathy for that person. But notice that after Paul describes that situation that they're in, right after that word, he uses yet, or the word but. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and, and we'll just read this, and just think about these little connector words, yet and but, and the difference that they make in this sentence. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, yet not crushed. Oh, sorry, I messed that one up. Hard-pressed on every side, but not perplexed, yet not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, abandoned, struck down, yet not destroyed. Those words make a difference. This might be happening, but it's not really getting me down. This might be going on, but I'm not going to be demolished by this. How could he do that? How could he say that? Well, we have a clue at the end of this chapter. Those words that we just read, the clue has to do with what Paul learned to set his attention on. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And then he says a very fast word for our light and momentary troubles. In King James, he says, our light afflictions last just for a moment. That's a really fast word. So we need to say it fast. So I'm going to say our light affliction lasts but for a moment. And I need you to say moment very fastly, okay? So here we go. Our light affliction lasts but for a moment. The Apostle Paul is setting things up on a scale for us. On one side of the scale, he puts light troubles. And on the other side, he puts the weight of glory. And how long does he say that these light afflictions last? Just for a moment. And how long does the weight of glory last for eternity? Yeah. So you see, you got a scale and you put something on it that lasts just for a moment. And then on the other side, you, on the scale, you put something so heavy that it lasts for eternity. And so when you take the restrictions off that scale, which one is going to tip? The thing that is eternal is going to carry the weight over the thing that is not eternal. So we fix our eyes on the, not what is seen, but on what is unseen. We fix our eyes on what is unseen. And then there's another fast word. For what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. You see, if you look around us, everything, just using your eyes here today, Everything you see with your physical eyes in this room is temporary. This is a temporary building around us. It will not last forever. You and I are sitting on temporary chairs here. Uh, there is a temporary painting on that wall right there. These are temporary lights. They will not last forever. This is a temporary piano right here, temporary drum set. We got temporary clothes on our backs. You and I drove here today in temporary cars, some more temporary than others. 
You live in a temporary dwelling. You'll go home and take a nap today on a temporary sofa. In the morning, you drink coffee out of a temporary cup. And you eat on a temporary plate with temporary forks and knives. You see, all this stuff around us that we look at is temporary. And if all you do is focus on that, you're going to be in trouble. If you just look at what you can see with your eyes, then all the time you're just looking at temporary stuff. You know, remember that line uh, a couple of weeks ago, that line of eternity, the imaginary line. I said, let's imagine this truss going all the way out the wall and going north all the way past Weaverville forever and ever. And the, this, this going out, going out the wall, going all the way past Henderson and forever and ever. That is a line of eternity. And if you were looking at it and going, okay, where is human history on this line? It's probably just, you know, the span of this truss. And then if you were to look at 237 years of American history, it would probably be about this big on that line of eternity, and then you were to pick out your life in that 237 years, what would it look like on this line of eternity? It would just be a dot, a little dash maybe, 70, 80, maybe 90 years. But you know what? Some of these things that are around us that we see that are temporary, they're even sm a smaller dot on that line. They can, they're just a speck you can barely see with a microscope. That's what some of these temporary things are around us, pretty tiny. And I don't know if you're anything like me or some of my friends and things that we get excited about or things we get upset about, but sometimes I get upset about things that don't have to do with anything on the line of eternity, things that are just dots. I mean, what makes you upset? I mean, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe my hair got messed up. I mean, that would do it for some of us. I mean, if somebody walked up to you today at the end of this gathering and they just rubbed your head real good and messed up your hair, that would set you off. You'd, you'd be mad. Some of us would get so mad, we'd be mad for months and months. And we would always remember that day at Sunday when that guy messed up your hair at church. Some of you wouldn't even come back. You would leave. Others, maybe it's, you know, the roast got burned. My car got scratched. Some of us are really hyper about our vehicles, aren't we? I mean, you scratch my car, I'm going to scratch you. <laughs> my favorite team didn't make the tournament. Arr! What's wrong with you? Why are you so down in the dumps? Got to see. Got to see on my class. You know, you stop and think about a lot of stuff that we get upset over or sad about. It's just dots. It's not on the line of eternity. It's just a dot. It would make a great difference in my life and yours if the next time we start getting upset about something, if we would just think about a little red square with white block letters that says, think eternity. And you would think about that big word. And I predict if you could learn to think eternity about a lot of stuff you get upset about, you'll not be getting upset anymore. Next time you get upset about what your hair does or doesn't do, you just go get a comb or get a brush and you take some sort of engraving tool and you just write on that a great big word that we say really fast, temporary. And you write it on that comb or on that brush. And the next time that you brush or comb your hair, you just remember that that hair is temporary, right? Next time your car gets scratched, would you just go out to that scratch and just take a nickel or a knife and just expand that scratch to say, temporary 
so you'll be reminded that your vehicle is not eternal. And as far as God is concerned, they're all just dots. We're just driving dots around. You know, I got news for you. When the trumpet sounds and Jesus comes back, he's not going to take the car with him. I know some of you, it's like, well, how will it be heaven without my car? Well, it will be. It'll be heaven without you driving your special car there. It's going to stay behind. It's going to burn. It's temporary. The same thing with your house. The same thing with your TV. The next time your favorite team loses, just go get a Crayola crown and write on the screen that big word that we say fast, temporary. So that you can remember that most of the stuff you see on that screen are temporary dots. It's a conglomeration of dots anyway that makes bigger dots, so you shouldn't get upset about what comes across that big dot. It's amazing what we get upset about in churches. I mean, nine out of ten things that Christians get upset about are things concerning dots, not the line of eternity. I mean, people don't come to the preacher and say, I'm so mad I can't even see straight. Well, what are you mad about? I'm just not praying like I ought to. They don't come and say, and to me, they don't say, I'm just so upset because I haven't had a chance to share the gospel with somebody in the past year. Oh, I need to do something about it. They, they don't, people don't come to me and just say, I'm so mad because I, I'm just not the man I ought to be or I'm not the woman I ought to be. Let's call a special meeting. Let's do something so others can get with me and get me in line. Nobody's doing that. Why don't we do that? What do we get upset about? Who changed the coffee? Are they using Folgers again? <laughs> Who moved the chairs around on the floor? Who did that? Who changed the... Who, who stopped putting the bulletin out there? Oh, I never know what's going on in this church. Why are we having communion over there instead of over here? You know, the angels in heaven are really upset over that one. We get bent out of shape. You know, 50 people could make decisions for Christ, and nobody gets really thrilled. But if one of them spills something on the floor, who spilled that on the floor? Isn't that weird? The average church, average Christians get bent all out of shape, not about the eternal things, but about the dots. We worship dots in this country. We're preoccupied with dots. We get upset about dots. We need to learn to think about the big word. You know, the next time you get upset about something, before you say a word, just ask yourself, you know, in terms of the big picture, how big is this thing to me? I mean, in terms of ultimate reality, how big is this? In terms of forever and ever and ever, how enormous is this little problem, this dot? In terms of forever and ever, what is this? Before you start losing your joy, in other words, think eternity. It will make a difference about what you get upset over. Life becomes more peaceful. You can handle a lot of stuff that you couldn't handle before. On the other hand, what do you get excited about? What do you dream about? What do you get thrilled about? What do you plan for? What do, what do you save for? What do you hope for? You see, lots of us, if we're not careful, we'll spend our whole life dreaming, thinking, planning, and saving for dots. 
for dots. We've got to be careful because we live in a culture that is so full of dots that we could spend our whole life on them. And when our life is over and we look back on our lives, we'll realize that all we did is make investments in dots, things that don't last, things that are temporary. It's dumb, but it'll catch you if you don't watch it. There's a little thing that sometimes my wife and I, there are these, these words that we say sometimes, and, and we think it's funny, and it's a funny thing that just is kind of maybe funny just in our family, not to anybody else. It, it probably aggravates our kids, but sometimes they'll ask, hey, uh, what'd you do today? I did some things. And then... You know, the kids will ask, what are we going to do today? Well, we're going to go do some things, get some stuff. What's that over there? Things. What's over here? Stuff. We get a lot of mileage out of it. But you know, there's this, there's this fear in me, and I hope maybe it's a good fear, but then one day it might appear... I appear before God Almighty at the great throne of judgment, and God says, okay, I gave you 60, 70, 80 years down there on that planet. Now, granted, in terms of eternity, that's not very long, but what'd you do with it? I mean, what'd you invest in? I gave you a certain amount of money. I gave you a certain amount of time. I gave you special abilities. What did you do with it? What'd you spend it on? And there's this fear that I might say, uh, things, stuff, got some things and got some stuff. That would feel so foolish. So foolish. Listen, people, we, we've got to be careful. You've got to be careful about what you're doing, what you're going to do with your life. I mean, what if there was a, a bright young man here in the crowd today or a bright young woman who had plans for college and and scholarships and a fabulous career awaiting them but something happened today something happened today and he or she decided to go to india or just across the street to to start a mission of mercy now if he or she did that you know what might happen in his family and maybe some people around him here they would say well wait a minute what about the dots There aren't dots over there in India. There are just people dying over there. Be careful, you might miss out on the dots. That young man or that young woman might go over there and burn up their whole life, might help people who are dying, might point people to Jesus. They, They might just do stuff that would last forever. And the only thing he or she wouldn't have is dots. And there would be people who would think, well, that boy just wasted his life. That girl just wasted her life. But those people don't think about the big word, eternity. See, there are ways to spend your life that can mean putting it on the line forever. And some of you ought to think about it and forget about the dots. You know, there are ways to use dots, though, to put them on the line for God. And that's why some of us ought to check our generosity towards God. Some some of us are real stingy towards God. But the Bible indicates that a person can take treasure here on earth and can build up all kinds of capital in heaven with it. 
That's the strangest thing. That's what the Bible tells us. You know, if you put all your treasure here on earth, you won't have anything in heaven. But if you store up treasure in heaven, it's a good thing. You got to be careful that you don't invest all your dots in dots. You got to take your dots and invest them in the line. What's eternal? You might regret a lot of investments you made in dots, but you'll never regret any investment that you make for eternity. You'll never regret that time investment. There'll be times that you say, well, I just wasted that couple of hours watching that movie. Boy, that was a waste of time and a waste of my money. But you'll never regret one second you ever spend in the Word of God or with the people of God because those things are eternal. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The Scriptures also say the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever, 1 John 2.17. That's why you'll never regret any investment you make. You'll never regret one song you sing, one sermon you preach. You'll never regret one moment to share about Jesus. You'll never regret visiting one sick person to console. You'll never regret cooking one cookie for kids camp. Never regret one moment in the nursery or teaching a Bible story. Never regret that one Elevate class that you gave up time for. That gel group that you spent time with those people. That work where you share with that friend there. You'll never regret one ounce of energy or one second of time or one penny that you invest in the kingdom, in the line for what's on eternity. Never. And that's why we need to learn how to give of ourselves and give. It's not just to give, put something big out there, or to give the church a nice name. It's because you cheat yourself if you spend everything you got just on dots. You see how you can cheat yourself? Right here in this Bible, I've had this Bible since I was 16 years old. Right here in the back. It says, May 31st, 1987, 12, 10 a.m. Stuff and things and dots are now left on the cross. Going to live for the eternal things. When we think about the things that we get excited about, we should also lay it down beside that big word, eternity, and ask ourselves in terms of ultimate reality, how excited should I be about this? In terms of forever and ever, how thrilled should I be with this? And just a lot of stuff we think is so big, when we lay it down beside that big word, it won't look so big anymore. And it won't pull on you so much. In fact, it's just a little dot. You need to think now. You need to think eternity. Think eternity. Nate's going to come up here. We're going to have our time where we respond to the word of God and worship it's Highland we're always challenging people to take another step in your spiritual journey you know what the steps that we specifically challenge here at Highland is for you to belong to believe and to become and some of those things that we're becoming some of those things that we're be- believing is that we are challenging people to take a step to grow in their love towards God to grow in your worship to grow in your I, your intimacy with the Lord There's ways that there's people here that can help you with that. We want to challenge you to take a step in growing in your identity, your your loyalty with the family of Christ. To serve alongside brothers and sisters. To know that there's a whole lot of one another commands that we can live out together. We want to challenge you, encourage you to take another step in responsibility. Growing in that friendship 
of Christ, extending what he extended to you freely, to let his mission become your mission, to say, hey, I'm not going to be exclusive. I'm going to be inclusive. And I want to say to the people around me, hey, come find what I found. Look, Look what I discovered in Christ, extending that hand of friendship to them. So I want to challenge you. Those, those things, they count. They count for eternity. Think eternity. Think it now. Let's stand together. Let's worship.